0: Let me ask you, are you someone with hair? Well, if you answered yes to that question, do I have the product for you? Visit ModernMammals.com and use code MAYO for 10% off. Because the goal with Modern Mammals is to try and keep your hair and head natural. Since I've been using it, that's exactly what I've experienced. I very much prefer it. I don't know if I'm ever going to switch back. Probably not. To tell you the truth, and this means that it doesn't distort your pH balance and natural oils like shampoo would. Unlike shampoo, the products don't have a harsh detergent that suds up and dries out your head and hair. It's just lighter. Than traditional shampoo and unlike conditioners it doesn't leave hair limp and frizzy like you don't want that Seinfeld in the shower like Rory McElroy had it once too or just you know, a mop on your head you don't want that and if you use modern mammals that's not going to happen it's designed to make your hair feel thicker and my hair at the moment feels so thick you can't even pull it out plus the products are easy to rinse out so there's no leftover residue to weigh hair down so Go to ModernMammals.com and use code MAYO for 10% off. Again, that's ModernMammals.com for 10% off with promo code MAYO. Don't forget to use my promo code MAYO so they know I sent you. More details in the description.
1: How do you make a vacation last? How do you hold on to the joy, the clarity, the calm? Easy. You go to Aruba.
0: Welcome to the Pat Mayo Experience, presented by DraftKings. Now that golf major season has concluded, it is time to seriously focus on what is happening with football. People know this as golf during the football offseason, football during the football season, and now it's officially the football season. So we got to figure out what we're going to do, the projections, who we're going to bet on, all of that fun stuff. Ross Tucker is going to be joining me early next week to break down some early camp news and offensive lines and all that stuff I know nothing about. So hearing it from a former player is exactly where you want to be. on that front, front so a reminder to smash the like button to the episode, sub to Mayo Media Network, and sub to the audio podcast where most people listen to this show because we got a lot of football coming at you in a very condensed period of time and then for eight months straight. So Aaron Schatz from the FTN guide this time around is joining me to kick this all off. I'm super excited you've teamed up with FTN and I'm super excited to read this entire giant season preview. When is everything dropping? Yeah, we're scheduled to
1: have it done on August 7th, but we think we may be able to have it done a couple of days ahead of that. So we're we're trying to get it out the first week of August if we can, but
0: August 7th at the latest. So it's perfect for when people are taking their early August vacations, whether it be a drive, whether it be a flight, hey, some reading material you got going on.
1: Yeah, I mean, uh, for folks who know about our almanac, you know, we've done this. This is going to be our 19th year with the preseason guide. Uh, normally it comes out a little earlier in july folks know there were some sort of extenuating circumstances this year but we are ready to have it in uh, the first week of august hopefully
0: so what should people expect this time around if they're unfamiliar with the almanac like you said 19 years a lot of people are familiar but hey you're on the show got to sell it to some new people as well so what can people expect to see coming out in early august well, I mean, we're prime analytics people, so you're going to get a lot of advanced
1: stats. We're known primarily for DVOA stats, but you're going to get all kinds of breakdowns of teams. Uh, you're going to get all kinds of stats from the FTN data sharding, such as a uh, cornerback coverage and broken tackles and pressures allowed by offensive linemen. Uh, you're going to get write-ups on all 32 teams with... Just stats, but also humor and film study all combined in one place. You're going to get award-winning fantasy projections from Jeff Radcliffe of FTN and write-ups on all the fantasy players. That's your quarterbacks, your running backs, your wide receivers, and your tight ends. And, you know, the staff that we have is well-known, and we've been working on this book for years. Mike Tanier Brian Knowles, Derek Klassen, Vince Verhey. Uh, You know, all the writers that have worked on it back when it was called Football Outsiders Almanac are working on it now that it is the
0: FTN Football Almanac. I had a question about DVOA and trying to figure it out and parse what it can tell us season to season. Because as we know, the farther we go into the season, you know, the less relevance week one and week two have on what everything is going to be towards the end of the season. So if we just take a look at DVOA from last year and try to impart anything onto this year, can it actually tell us... Anything predictive or is, it, or is it more of a, here's a snapshot of what happened, especially towards the end of the season when we're using weighted stuff and we're going to start anew this year?
1: Yeah, it's actually built to be predictive. So DVOA is more predictive of your performance the following year than either wins and losses or points scored and allowed. Okay,
0: so I should be looking at And more our
1: projections this. are even more predictive because the projections account for things like personnel changes.
0: And there's been a lot of teams who've had the flip-flop with that. I I guess just on the outset, without spoiling too much in the conversation that I wanted to have with you today, are teams that might be looking a little bit better than maybe the public perception thinks of them, and how maybe I can translate that into win totals, because that's really what I'm concerned about at this time of the year, is trying to figure out those undervalued teams to make the playoff bets, or hell, even miss the playoff bets, with teams that we know or at least think are going to be very good, yet might be kind of lackluster when it comes to the numbers the jets i think are the most interesting example of this they've already started their mini camp they're going to be in the hall of fame game and people love the jets this year there's someone who came on this show noted insane person tim andercust to predict them to go 15 and 2 this year that seems a bit lofty but are the jets actually projecting out well or is this just a big hype machine we have the jets projected about the same as their vegas total
1: So we like the hype machine, but we're not 15 and two is not happening. No, Uh, I think their Vegas total in most places is nine and a half. And our current simulation has them at an average of nine point six wins. So
0: basically the same. So when we compare their offense to their offense last year, I mean, just making that one swap of bringing in Aaron Rodgers over Zach Wilson or Mike White or whoever. It's going to be, how, how many wins does that add? Like, if we think about, like, VORP from old school baseball, and we just put that over onto football, like, how much more is Aaron Rodgers worth? I mean, that's not even value over replacement. Call it value over Zach Wilson. How many wins is that worth? I mean, it's worth a couple, definitely. You Obviously, look, there's only
1: 17 to be had in the mm-hmm. NFL, but... Uh, quarterbacks are worth more than anybody else, right? So quarterbacks, there are a couple of companies out there that do wins above replacement type stats, and the quarterbacks are worth much more than the players at other positions. So, you know, even if Aaron Rodgers is what he was last year, not what he was when he was an MVP a couple of years ago, that's worth a couple of wins to the Jets. What's really interesting about the Jets is the defense, because normally a defense that improved so significantly Uh, and was so healthy, right? You would expect to regress the next year because they're going to have more injuries and be closer to their performance from the past. But the Jets had a very low takeaway rate. And normally defenses that are really good with a really low takeaway rate stay good because they get more takeaways the next year. So we have the Jets
0: defense projected as being very good again this year. Interesting, because I always found that you know offenses, if they remain relatively consistent with quarterback, yes. not a huge over an offensive line, and the primary receiver, then generally they're probably going to be around the same, a little bit worse, a little bit better, depending on how some of the breaks go than they were a year ago. And that defense can kind of flip wildly. Like, one of my favorite things to do as a part of trying to mine some win total overs is just take a look who are the worst defenses last year and just come to the conclusion that, like, even through variance, they could be league average just based on a few plays. I mean, not a few plays, but enough plays the here. Defense is hard harder to project than offense. And the the range of projections for offense,
1: like where the best teams are projected and where the worst teams are projected, is a much wider
0: range than the range of projections for defense. Is there anything to so the Jets have a low takeaway rate? Is Is there any correlation between that and potentially the style of defense that they play? Or do we just attribute takeaway rate as sort of a baseline number for every single team, and they should be either above or below that? Or is it that they manufacture their defense in a certain way to make sure that the ball gets thrown to this spot where it's not necessarily going to be intercepted, but it's not going to be complete at the same time? Because I always feel like that's the hardest part for me to parse when it comes to some of this stuff.
1: It's interesting. I've never studied particularly if certain schemes have fewer takeaways than others. I think my guess is it's a combination of the two. But in general, the idea that your takeaways are going to be more related to just how good you are overall is probably a stronger effect than the type of scheme you play affects the takeaways. The effect of regression from year to year in takeaways is pretty strong right teams that have lots and lots of takeaways tend to have fewer the next year teams that don't tend to
0: have more the next year And it would make sense, too, that the Jets would move up simply because their offense is going to be better this year. They'll score more points and thus keep teams passing against them at a higher rate than they were last year, rather than, oh, Zach Wilson's on the other side of the ball. Like, we only need to score 13 points in this game. We can just milk the clock the entire time and not have to put yourself into a position to make riskier throws, which would then, or even dropbacks, which would lead to pressures, which would lead to turnovers, at least with interceptions and fumbles, those being the main cases of finding those takeaway numbers, right?
1: Right. So, I mean, it does help to, you know, better offense helps the, the Jets defense face more passes, which is what their strongest status is, pass defense, but they're just a really good defense overall and they should have more takeaways this year and that should counter the fact that they also should have more injuries this year.
0: I guess that makes sense, too, trying to—if we're going to have a regression upwards in terms of takeaway rate, a regression back down towards an unhealthier year would almost have to be expected. Are are there teams that you've found, like training staffs—I know this is like the Phoenix Suns thing forever, that they just keep their players healthier?
1: Well, here's the thing. I would have said the Rams until (laughs) last year— the, the Rams <laughs> had a five or six year streak of being very healthy, and
0: then last year they were the most injured team in the league. They're an interesting test case for me this year because they were a team that I was looking for looking at because everyone's just out on the Rams now. You know they lose Jalen Ramsey, they can't afford to keep up this super defense. They went all in to win the Super Bowl, and they won the Super Bowl, and now they're going to have to pay the consequences of being all in for three or four consecutive years. But. When I take a look at their offense, like, what if Cooper Cup comes back and he's Cooper Cup? What if Matt Stafford isn't nearly as injured as he was last year and all of a sudden he's just healthy? Like, shouldn't they be all right with those guys back? Look at their depth chart, especially on defense. It is.
1: You've never heard of these people. Like, their whole secondary is second-day picks and undrafted free agents who are in their, like, first and second years. There's no second linebacker, like, at all. Like, the guy who's projected to be the second linebacker played seven defensive snaps last year, a guy named Christian Roseboom. Um, There's just, there's just, I mean, they've got the three stars, right? Donald, Cup and Stafford, and then there's just no depth
0: at all. I mean, if I had to bet on some random person being good at defense, a last name Roseboom would probably be that guy, though, right?
1: Um, yeah. Maybe. But uh, you haven't seen it so far, so we don't we don't make bets based on guys' names.
0: Yeah. I mean, I remember when the Portland Trail. Unless
1: played. it's Joey Porter Jr. If it's you know.
0: <laughs> yeah, Patrick Sertan
1: Jr. Pat- of a good player. Maybe
0: maybe I'll make a little bit of a bet because uh, your dad was good. Yeah. Pat Patrick Seahorn. The Patrick Sertan the second would kind of fall into right. that category as well. So who are the teams that are kind of primed for either good takeaway regression or poor takeaway regression coming? into the season oh now i have to open up that sheet yeah there you go Uh, i mean
1: i i remember here's interesting is the jets and the commanders both had really good defenses last year despite not having a lot of takeaways and both of those teams are likely to have more takeaways this year which means their defenses are likely to still be really good Um, Most of the teams that were really good in takeaways last year are defenses that you already knew were good and that we're projecting to be good again, despite the takeaways. We think Dallas will have a really good defense again. We think San Francisco will have a really good defense again. We think Buffalo will have a really good defense again. Uh, New England is one where I think you might see some regression. Uh, Jacksonville is a team that the defense was not particularly good, but they had a lot of takeaways, which means they're less likely to improve this year. And then on the other side, the teams that were really low in takeaways, Washington, the Jets, New Orleans, the Raiders. I mean, it would be pretty hard for the Raiders defense to be as bad as it was last year. It was just really bad last year.
0: Interesting the Saints are on that list because everyone is galvanizing behind the Saints in the NFC South as being the team that I mean they're the favorites to win the division right now. And all the other teams are just like people are making legitimate cases for Atlanta to be good because they're playing in that division. Nice. But the problem is like Atlanta's probably not going to be all that good. Uh, they might be OK. They might have an inflated record because they get to play the Bucks and the Panthers twice. But are the Saints actually good? no but atlanta and the we have atlanta
1: and the saints in basically the same place and they are going to have more wins than you think we have atlanta and the saints as both average teams but with the easiest schedules in the league by far it is not unlikely that both the falcons and the saints make the playoffs even if they're not actually among the 14 best teams in the league, that schedule is going to get them both into the playoffs.
0: Interesting. So there's, I mean, I guess there's always the outlier opportunity and this would be hard to project when you're thinking about your range of outcomes for offenses, but is there any chance Tampa or Carolina could be sneakily okay? Oh shoot, man.
1: It's the NFL. There's (laughs) always a chance. There's a chance of everything. Um, I mean, Carolina with a rookie quarterback, you don't know. Absolutely. Tampa Bay, strange things happen. I mean, I don't think it's very likely that they're good, but strange things happen. Um, but the more mo- much more likely is that New Orleans and Atlanta pace that division and just have, you know, the easy schedules. The hardest game on the schedule for Atlanta is either Jacksonville or the Jets, and – uh New Orleans schedule is even easier because they replaced the Jets with the Patriots. So it's just tremendously easy schedules for those teams. They could easily both go 10 and 7 and make the playoffs.
0: And the Bucks draw the Bills as their random other game plus they play the first place NFC schedule which I mean if yeah. they're not going to be good anyway that that makes things even worse.
1: Yeah, I'm not a, not a big fan of the Bucks this year although our projection is actually higher than their number in Vegas just because our projections tend to be pretty tightly around eight and eight point five like we're very tightly packed around five hundred a little a little too conservative, I think that's something I have always needed to work on and so um we tend to have the worst teams projected a little bit better than Vegas, and the best teams projected a little
0: bit worse. We talked about the worst teams in the NFL and who we think those are going to be on last week's show, but the Bucks were just in that conversation. Right now at DraftKings Sportsbook, their win total is six and a half. So what you're saying is that you might have them around like 6.8 or 7, something like that?
1: We have it at 7.6, actually. That's more than
0: a full game there, then.
1: Yeah. Um, but it's not that we think they're particularly good. Their defense should be all right. And their offense won't be terrible. I mean, there's more trust in a veteran quarterback than a rookie quarterback, and they still have good receivers and a good offensive line. So, um, yeah, I think we don't think Tampa is going to be a complete disaster area. We we don't think Arizona is going to be a complete disaster area. We have Arizona um, at six, you know, where their Vegas number is four
0: and a half. Six. I I find that hard to believe, like where those wins actually come from.
1: Well, I mean, first of all, you know, they they play a pretty average schedule, so it's not like they play a really hard schedule. I mean, we don't think the Rams are going to be pretty good. Random wins just happen. Like, I don't think Arizona is a complete basket case. Colt McCoy has played reasonably well when he's had to play. Like, I mean, by reasonably well, I mean, he hasn't been the worst quarterback in the league. Kyler Murray should be back by midseason. You know, the defense is bad. You know, everything is bad. But four and a half is a really low number, given how much random stuff happens in the NFL.
0: I I suppose that could be the case. I mean, I don't want to touch the over or the under when it comes to the Cardinals. Just I think it's going to go under. But again, that number is just far too low. What did the Bears have? Three wins last season? They were three and 14.
1: Uh, Yeah. And we have the Bears as the lowest team. They're the lowest projected team in the league in wins.
0: Last year or this year? this year see i'm on board with you with that people seem to think that like green bay is just the bottom of that like even to look at the betting odds in that division oh um, no we think green bay is going to be better than people think see i tend to agree with you like i mean aaron Rodgers wasn't great I, i think people think that he that aaron Rodgers because he had won the mvp two years previous that he had played at some sort of like close to mvp level last year that just wasn't the case
1: yeah, Green Bay is the third easiest schedule in the league. So they're another team that we project to be average, but with an easy schedule, making them look better than they really are.
0: See, I like the Vikings in that division just because I think people are- t- Oh, we hate the Vikings. People are tired hate of the, People are tired of the, I mean, is their defense going to get worse? You know, oh, yes. How they is lost that possible? a lot of people. How, that's probably good. It wasn't the worst <laughs> in the league last year
1: they they lost uh, a lot of people on both sides of the ball they were I mean you know about last year right like they were the biggest overperforming team compared to points scored and allowed of all time
0: I have they were like
1: I have a New York, York Giants I have a New York Giants win in day. our ratings
0: yeah so that's not good like the
1: Giants were overrated but the Vikings
0: were like supremely overrated last year. I just don't see that, like, everyone wants everyone wants the Lions to happen. They're plus 140 to win the division. I guess the Bears have now dropped into last place with the Packers at 4-1 to one at DraftKings on, in the uh, NFC North. And the Vikings are almost at 3-1. to one. Like, is Detroit actually that much better than those other three teams? I mean, we
1: actually, I don't think they're that much better than the Packers, but they're better than the Packers. Like, they should be the favorite. But if you look at the NFC North and you say to me what do you want to hammer? It's not the Lions to win the division, it's the Vikings to go
0: under. Interesting. And not the Packers to go over? Uh Yeah, I'd rather hammer the Vikings to go under actually. <laughs> I don't know. I just feel like the Vikings are the Vikings are an unsexy team every single year and they just they retain a level of I don't want to say mediocrity because they've been better than that in terms of what their whatever their projected like Pythagorean win total is going to be. They always just seem to excel over that kind of like the Steelers with Mike Tomlin where they just seem a lot worse than they actually end up being. The Vikings kind of have that vibe to them. But the, the Steelers don't
1: project to be bad and then turn out good. The thing about the Steelers is they just project every year to be average to good and they come out average to good like. It's not like they 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 didn't outperform their like they weren't didn't have a better record than their underlying stats would necessarily indicate last year. The, this, they just surprised you by playing a little bit better than you thought they would. The Vikings just completely pl- like won more games than their underlying performance would suggest last year by by a just colossal amount. And then they went out and lost a bunch of talent. They lost Thielen. I don't think losing Dalvin Cook is that big a deal. But on defense, they lost guys like Sedarius Smith, Patrick Peterson. Like they just lost a lot,
0: a lot of guys. Eight and a half is their win total right now at DraftKings yeah. book, And the under is juiced up money at the moment. It's plus 110. But you could I even, mean, if, yeah. you, if you think they're going to be really bad, you can go three to one under six and a half wins if you want to.
1: That's a little not happening probably but yeah
0: uh well we talked about the the Jets and where they're coming at I'm just curious about the AFC East because it does seem like people have kind of planted their flag that the Bills are still going to be good maybe not as good as they were in years past maybe they will be that good again who knows but it seems like the division itself has caught up a little bit but Miami has become a very polarizing team their win total is nine and a half right now uh it's even money to bet the over it's minus 120 to bet the under so the general public seems to have more faith in the Jets than the Dolphins at the moment but is that warranted because it's now year two of an entire system with the Dolphins if you get a healthy to it which is a big ask for all 17 games are they better than the Jets
1: yeah our numbers have the Jets higher than Miami I think that Miami might be the team where I disagree with our numbers the most like I do think that they're better than our numbers have them our numbers have them as kind of an 8.5 And I do think they're better than that. But if you look at a lot of stuff, like for example, like Tua, he had like 12.9 yards per completion or something close to that last year. If you look over the last like 15, 20 years at quarterbacks who had over 12 yards per completion, they like never have that the next year. Like It would be really rare for Tua to be as good this year as he was last year. And the other thing is I think people are expecting that Vic Fangio is going to come in and transform that defense. And Vic Fangio is talented, but he does not have a history of transforming defenses. When he went to Chicago, that defense was the worst in the league his first year there. It took him three or four years to turn that into a number one defense. He does not turn things around overnight.
0: I'm it's just it's just go back off. And because you mentioned when he took over the Bears, Defense, And when you just said that you projected the Bears to have the fewest amount of wins in the league, I don't like the Bears. Their win total is 7.5. And And to bet under 7.5 is plus 110 right now.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think people just feel like, well, they gave Fields some stuff. Fields will be good. You don't know that. We want to believe. You want to believe Fields will be good. But you don't
0: know that. I got the numbers. Tons of you have done it, but not all of you. Yeah, so what you need to do right now, if you want to take charge of both your time and your meal prep, visit factormeals.com slash mayo50 and use code mayo50 to get 50% off right now. Because supporting the sponsors is in very much the same way supporting the Pat Mayo experience, which I very much encourage you to do. Eating better is just easy with factors delicious ready-to-eat meals mainly because well yes they are very tasty but it's the time that they save you do you say you never have time to work out well if you're someone that preps all your food at home that means you need to drive to the store you need to walk through it make a list get your groceries bring them home store them unpack them get the reusable bags out of the way then you actually have to make the meal we're talking like two hours per meal on that and listen. I love cooking things at home myself, but it takes an awful long time. Are you going to use an app to get takeout? Well, it's going to take you like 30 minutes to figure out which restaurant that you want anyway. Then you wait 45 minutes to get it, and it's probably like crap for you by the time it actually gets there. This is all time that you could have been like spending working out or doing work or just having some relaxation time because all of the meals with Factor are ready to go in just two minutes, and it goes with any sort of meal prep that you want to do. Do you want to do Calorie Smart? Do you want to do Keto? I'm personally trying to bulk up right now, so I'm doing the Protein Plus to make sure that I hit my levels every single time. I go through, I pick what I want, it shows up. I never have to think about what I'm gonna eat for three meals a day, four meals a day, whatever it might be, for like three weeks. It's fantastic, so I highly recommend that you head to factormeals.com slash Mayo50 and use code Mayo50 to get 50% fifty percent off. That's code Mayo fifty at factormeals.com slash Mayo fifty to get fifty percent off. The Pat Mayo experience is brought to you by Squarespace. Squarespace is that all in one website platform for entrepreneurs to stand out and succeed online. So whether you're just starting out or managing a growing brand Squarespace makes it easy to create a beautiful website, engage with your audience, and sell anything from products to content to time, all in one place, all on your terms. And it is super easy to use. You don't need to be a tech wizard in order to set up your own website to peddle your wares on the World Wide Web. Squarespace makes that so easy, thus cutting down on the expenses you'll need to pay someone else to do it. You can do it all yourself. You can set up email campaigns to engage with your audience with Squarespace email campaigns. Collect email subscribers on your site and build connections and repeat business through regular email updates. If you're in the content space and you have a lot of videos, you can host your entire video collection, organize your video library, and showcase your content on beautiful video pages and sell access to your videos with member access. But the best part about it all is the analytics feature. You can use those insights to grow your business. Learn where your site visits come from or sales are coming from. Then you can analyze which of your channels are the most effective. Improve your website and build a marketing strategy based on your top keywords and most popular products and content. It makes it all easy, all in one spot, for a very low cost. And it's something that you're going to need to do if you want to grow your business. So... Go to squarespace.com for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, go to squarespace.com slash Mayo to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. It's only a kick, a jump, a block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle, a run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. I'll probably dive into this a little bit more with Ross on Tuesday, but obviously the running backs discussion has come up. Apparently there's a big group thread with running backs in the NFL where they're all you know saying exactly the same things at exactly the same time when no one's getting their money at the position. Is this in... I've just seen so many different theories about how to work this out to make things better for the good running backs to make sure that they can get their bag uh, either earlier than they normally do, although if you're the number two pick in the draft, you got your bag already depending on how running backs are being paid. But is this just an issue of the very best running back versus the fourth running back that you carry on your team when it comes to dollars and cents of paying the fourth guy versus the talent level, the gap between the money is just so much more important than the gap in skill? I think that, yes.
1: I think I agree with you. Um, What it comes down to is when you look at how much more important passing is than rushing, and then you look at it's not that the best running backs are bad. It's that the worst running backs are good. There, is, there are too many good athletes at the position. And therefore, you ask yourself, let's give one example. Would you rather have Jalen Ramsey and a fifth-round running back rookie, let's say Chase Evans from the Bengals, or would you rather have Derrick Henry And some fifth round cornerback rookie. I mean, the answer is very clear. You would rather have the difference between Ramsey and that fifth round rookie is way bigger than the difference between Henry and a fifth round rookie at running back, because there's just too many good running backs. You can't, you can't give a ton of money to the best ones because you can get, you know, 80% 80% of the performance for 20% of the money by paying less. And then also you 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 uh, guard against injury by paying two or three guys less money instead of having one stud who you spend a ton of money on. The other thing about the whole running back market right now is we're only having this argument because we used to pay these guys so much and they're popular fantasy football, right? The um, The 16th ranked running back in the league makes as much money as the 16th ranked center in the league and the 16th ranked center in the league plays a lot more snaps. So why aren't we saying that centers are underpaid? Why are we saying running backs are underpaid? Like it's just, this is just how the NFL is now.
0: Is this a situation where do you, you think that the players union will end up trying to do something to help out these top end running backs? Because frankly, because of fantasy football and the marketability of some of these guys, that maybe they do feel like they're more important than they are because they're bigger names than a lot of players. Like your 16th biggest running yeah, back is going to be. sorry guys. It is, but or is this a problem that's going to rectify itself because you're going to get to Pop Warner football or you're going to play high school football and you're going to look at it and it's going to eventually going to become a thing. It's like, you don't want to play running back. They don't make any money. And they're going to have so few running backs out there that this problem of... The bad running backs are actually really good that once the bad running backs actually are bad, that all of a sudden it will revert back to paying running backs again. I don't know, because here's the problem. The lower you go down and
1: level in football, the more important the running back is. So when you're in Pop Warner, you put your best kid at running back. Same goes for high school. Running backs in college are more valuable than they are in the NFL. Like the difference between the good ones and the bad ones is larger. So, like, there's no incentive for coaches at lower levels to not play their better running backs at the running back position, right? Because that's it's more important at lower levels than it is in the NFL. But as far as the Players Association stepping in, as long as you have a salary cap league, there is no way to help the star running backs without hurting somebody. Either you're going to hurt players at other positions or you're going to hurt the lower paid running back right? There's only an X amount of money for everyone in the league. If you take away from one position, you're giving it to another position. So there's some other position, whether it's defensive linemen or cornerbacks or wide receivers, that's better paid now because we're paying the running backs less. If you pay the running backs more, you're taking away from the wide receivers and the interior defensive linemen and so on.
0: Well, I think that the star running backs may be on to something by galvanizing together. And it seems like they're pretty much on point with the message that they're putting out that if it is going to take away from someone it doesn't seem like they care too much about the lower end running back that they want that money for themselves to try mm-hmm. to box well, that I out mean, and, and i listen some franchises are going to make stupid decisions enough franchises now make good decisions and it's always probably going to be a good decision not to pay the running back but it seems a lot more effective and maybe even within the players union if these bigger names like it's one thing if austin eckler derrick henry and saquon barkley are saying one Thing, but tyson williams is saying something else like no one really cares what he has to say
1: here's the problem for the star running backs the cba is signed through 2031 good luck changing something <laughs> i mean what is you can't like you can't have part of a union strike like either the nflpa strikes or they don't and you can't strike when you have a cba that you've signed through 2031 there's no answer to this
0: problem well so it's just going to be one of these things where i mean it's great for sports content people can throw theories without having any facts or like i just tried to do although it can't be changed for another eight years you know i'm going to try to give my opinions on this it's a great content filler if nothing else oh yeah i mean look it's bad for running backs I, i've said this a few times right i've
1: been doing nfl analytics for 20 years the most important impact of nfl analytics has been the lowering of running back salaries. I'm sorry. Is there... Like, I feel partly responsible for this. Well, you But can- that's, that's how it goes, man.
0: Yeah, when Saquon is making a million a year and Aaron Schatz is making 20 million a year, you can cut him a check if you want to. <laughs> yeah, when that happens. Sure, absolutely. So... Is there, do you think that you'll see running backs, because nothing can change, become more adaptable within offenses? That, hey, if Saquon Barkley, you know, he can still run the ball out of the backfield, but maybe he's on the field more just split out wide, and then he's like a partial receiver most of the time? Because I think, frankly, on the Giants, They could use that. They could use Saquon Barkley lining up in the slot a bunch, potentially.
1: Yeah, the problem is when you look at the numbers, the performance of those guys when they are lined up in the slot is just not good. right? Like Austin Eckler has good numbers in the slot because he's covered by linebackers. If you cover him with a nickelback, the nickelback's going to erase him. The fact is, if Austin Eckler was as good a receiver as Josh Palmer, the Chargers would be using Austin Eckler at receiver, not Josh Palmer. Like, it, it's it's just guys are often playing running back because that's the position that they're best at.
0: You mentioned Minnesota as a team. I mean, people don't even think they're going to be good, but, you know, eight and a half wins or seven and a half wins is what their win total is at. Are there any of the teams that we have established that are going to be good that might not actually be good? Um, teams that we, we think
1: uh, are under are under their uh, Vegas total. We have Chicago and Minnesota. We have Miami. We have Denver. And then we have Philadelphia and Cincinnati. But I think that's more because of the thing we talked about where I said our projections tend to be more clustered around 500. So, like, I don't think I would actually put any money on the under for Philadelphia or Cincinnati, but um they're not necessarily as guaranteed to win as many games as people think i mean the the the, they're at 11.5 i think maybe philadelphia i might put a little bit on the under just because i i don't know if their defense can be as good as it was last year but um i mean those are still going to be really good teams
0: both of the money most of the money right now uh, is coming in on the under for both those teams of 11 and a half. It's minus 115. Yeah. So bet- I guess
1: the money agrees with our numbers.
0: It does, yeah. And that's probably, if people are betting, if markets are moving and adjusting in a certain way at this point of the year, or even you know in June, in May, whatever it might be, it's not me putting down 20 bucks on the Eagles under. It's people hammering some of these lines yeah. to get them to where they need to be. So if your numbers are showing that, I'm sure that uh, large gambling syndicates uh, numbers probably have shown the same thing too what about the bills because it feels like people are over the bills they were the flavor of the year the past two years now we're just moving on do they remain being one of the best three or five teams in the league
1: yes absolutely we have them as the number one projected defense like i i don't yeah i don't kind of i don't get the idea that the bills have taken a step back i don't i don't understand they lost an off-ball linebacker like that's like that's not as that's like the least important position on defense these days. Like, I mean, yeah, Edmonds is good, but um, you know, adding Leonard Floyd is probably more important than losing Edmonds. Um, The offense is pretty much the same people. I mean, uh, plus Kincaid. Uh, I don't, yeah, I don't understand this
0: idea that the bills are taking a big step back. The one that's adjusted in the opposite way of the Eagles and the Bengals or the Baltimore Ravens, nine and a half is their win total. To bet the under is plus one fifty right now. You almost have to lay two hundred dollars to win one hundred dollars to bet on the over. Are the Ravens actually that good? I've seen in places that had it at ten and a half actually. So the the over is the bet on the Ravens right now. Now, is this a product of, obviously, Lamar is coming back. Maybe this was set when before anyone knew, so they had to adjust the VIG on either side of it. But now Lamar is back. You know, they draft a receiver. Bateman's coming back. They sign OBJ. Everything seems just great in the land of Baltimore, but... Is this just a product of they're actually really good, or is this sort of another fantasy football thing? I was like, oh my god, they got Odell Beckham. Like, how good is Odell Beckham going to be? Is he going to be great? No,
1: I think the Ravens are pretty. You know, we have them as a top ten offense. We think we have their defense is about average. You have to remember with the Ravens, you have to price in the fact that they have the by far the highest probability of gaining value on special teams. Like our special teams projections the Baltimore special teams projection is like way ahead of anybody else because they're just so consistently good on special teams. And you kind of have to price that in. So, I mean, I like Baltimore at nine and a half, I would go over and at 10 and a half, I might go under.
0: Interest. trying to middle yourself there and see if they just end up exactly with the 10 wins. Uh, yeah, 11 and a half, if you think they're going to... How much is putting, like, when you process out the win totals? So, yeah, Baltimore, obviously Cincinnati is projected for more, even though you have them going under the 11 and a half, but that's still a lot of wins. Pittsburgh's baseline is probably going to be pretty good. And then what do you do with Cleveland? Like, is Cleveland good? Is Cleveland bad? Are they mediocre? Or are they just going, like, how do you even try to assess Deshaun Watson at this point? We like
1: Cleveland. Here's what Cleveland is about. Cleveland is about the question of sample size. Okay. Which is more likely that Kevin Stefanski's offense is good, which it was for a couple of years with bad quarterbacks, or that Kevin Stefanski's offense is bad, which we saw in the last six games of last year. Like, which is more likely, two and a half years or like six games?
0: I would say The answer is six, two, two and a half years.
1: And the same goes for Deshaun Watson, which is more likely, that he's the quarterback we saw for his entire career except last year or that he's the quarterback we saw last year for six games. The answer is it's more likely he's the guy we've seen for his whole career. So it's much more likely that the Browns are good and that their defense also has a lot of signs of improvement. So I like the Browns this year. I think, the a- I think they're going to contend for the division title. I think the AFC North is the best division in football.
0: Is the NFC West the worst division, or is it the NFC South? Uh, The NFC South. Just because the Niners, and I guess—are the the Seahawks going to be good? Yes, because the Niners—the Seahawks are average. Seahawks are average. Like, they punched above their weight last year a little bit, didn't they?
1: Nobody—I mean, we think the best teams in the NFC South are average, right? Like, Atlanta and New Orleans are about as good as Seattle. But there's no team like San Francisco in that division.
0: I want to end with this because we spoke about running backs and their relative value to the team within the salary cap. You mentioned off-ball linebackers, maybe not the most value. What are the least valuable positions to a team to pay? Not to say that there's bad players at these positions and that they can't make an impact, but if you're constructing a team as a GM and allocating your salary cap, which positions are you like, yeah, we'll, we'll figure that out off, off the discount rack? Long snapper. <laughs> <laughs> um, as far as like
1: non-special teams specialists, uh, on offense, running back and guard, and on defense, um, off ball linebacker and safety is a little less important than you know, edge rusher and cornerback are the most important, then the interior defensive line, then the safeties, and then the off-ball linebackers.
0: Okay. So you would just allocate your money, just come up with a spreadsheet, derive relative importance per position of what you need to construct your team with, and just pay the people out that way?
1: Is it-, is it- Well, obviously, yeah. it depends on who you have available to you, right? I mean, I said guards are worth less. You, you know, guards are generally worth less than tackles and centers. Unless you have, like, Zach Martin, (laughs) right? right. So it's like, it depends what's available to you. If I took over a team and they had Zach Martin at guard, I'd pay Zach Martin. The dude's a Hall of Famer. But if I was starting from scratch in an expansion draft, like, I'd be unlikely to spend a lot of my expansion capital at guard. Like, I'd be much more likely to try to get the best players
0: possible at quarterback, wide receiver, tackle. Now that you have not quite completed the almanac as of yet, you mentioned that there's fantasy projections in there, Jeff Ratcliffe providing a large bulk of that. Jeff and I, very good friends. Probably going to be on the show here in a few weeks. Is there anything that you learned from maybe his process or even seeing what his projections spit out versus what you guys do from a team concept and a position concept to track, let's call it, real football versus fantasy football, that maybe there was more crossover there than you thought? Well, the funniest
1: thing I think I've learned from his projections is don't get hung up on projecting interceptions. Like interceptions regress to the mean pretty heavily. And honestly, at minus two points per interception for a quarterback, they don't mean a lot to a quarterback's fantasy points. So Jeff just doesn't spend a lot of time worrying about interceptions. He's much more worried about usage and yardage.
0: Yeah, you can find, like, we're doing our projections at runthesims.com. We're putting those completely free out there. You can go and manipulate them any any way you want. One of my favorite things to do with fantasy projections, this was always my Jameis trick back when he played for the Buccaneers, it's actually kind of helpful that he throws interceptions because all interceptions do for him is keep him throwing the entire game. Yeah, that's also true for fantasy purposes. A lot of times the guys with the most interceptions are actually good fantasy
1: quarterbacks. It's true. Yeah. But, you know, people, people reading our almanac for years will look at the interception numbers and they'll be like, oh, my God, like, how do you have Patrick Mahomes with 15, you know, or something like that? Whereas for fantasy purposes, the difference between 15 and 11 is means nothing. So it's just not important
0: yeah the the difference means absolutely nothing especially if you throw an interception and it's a pick six and you immediately get the ball back and let's say you go mm-hmm. down the field and score a touchdown then you've negated you know, two interceptions or a fumble or whatever it might be depending on your scoring almost immediately in the grand scheme of things and it's always just funny to look at things that way because you know it's like when people try to play a fantasy defense like oh well The Jets have a great defense. Well, they don't get any turnovers. They're not actually a good fantasy defense. You kind of want a team that gives up 25 points who encourages the other team to throw to give them more chances for sacks and interceptions.
1: Right, and of course, like, what matters most when you play a fantasy defense is what offense they're playing that week.
0: Yeah, 100%, and the game flow, and the game totals that go along with it. Last team I wanted to ask you about is the New England Patriots. Is there a chance they just bottom out? no. That's the problem. You, I'm As a
1: Patriots fan, I'm a Patriots fan. I live in Worcester, Massachusetts. You wish there was a chance that they would bottom out. The problem the Patriots have right now is that Bill Belichick is too good for them to rebuild. They're going to go like nine and eight every year till the end of time.
0: Is it a Mac Jones thing? Like maybe Mac Jones just is somehow worse this year. and Those receivers don't look very, I guess. And he said the defense might regress a little bit. Like those, there's a chance. I mean,
1: any anything is possible, but it's most likely that Mac Jones is better. Because look at how good Mac Jones was as a rookie when he had a real offensive coordinator. Now he has a real offensive coordinator again. He's behind a reasonable offensive line. They don't have a number one receiver, but they have a deep receiver room and good tight ends right? Like it's very likely that Mac Jones is better than he was last year. They have the hardest schedule in the league. If anything's going to make them bottom out, it's that they have the hardest projected schedule in the league. But I just think Bill Belichick is too good a head coach and too good a defensive mind for that team to go four and 13. There's not going to be any bottoming out, which is bad because (laughs) they're never going to get in position to take the top quarterback that they need to, to Build another Super Bowl team until Belichick has his records and is gone because he's too good.
0: He's too good for them to be bad. So the move is GM Bill Belichick should trade coach Bill Belichick to a team that could be a setting. Trade him back to Cleveland. Redemption story in Cleveland. Try to get some first round picks for Bill Belichick and bottom out. It's really weird, (laughs) but the best thing
1: for both the Patriots and Bill Belichick he wants to get these records might be for him to actually go to another team
0: now that's analytics you talking how would you feel as patriots fan you terrible
1: terrible because who knows what they replace him with right maybe they replace it with someone and then they rebuild but maybe that new coach sucks and maybe the quarterback they draft at the top of the draft sucks and then they just go forward 13 for five years i don't know i mean it would feel awful if belichick You would feel awful to watch Belichick coach somewhere else, the same as it would feel awful to see Tom Brady quarterback somewhere else. But the fact is this the Patriots are stuck in neutral as long as Belichick is here. They just they're just they're never going to be a real Super Bowl contender, but they're never going to be really
0: bad. You can find the link to the FTN Football Almanac produced by Aaron Schatz and Friends down in the description of this podcast and video if you want the pre-link that goes up there right now. The pre-sale ends July 28th, is that right? I think it's July 28th, yep, $29.99 in the pre-sale. And then after
1: that, it'll be $34.99. And you can also get information about it by going to
0: ftnfantasy.com. Easy stuff. Thank you for coming on.
1: Thanks for having me, man.
0: Yeah, no problem. If you out there want some more, again, you can find the link to the presale down in the description right now. You can also find the link to runthesims.com, create a free account, make your own projections, and then obviously the DFS and betting info will be coming once the season actually comes along. Reminder to smash the like to the episode and sub to Mayo Media Network for more full-time Football coverage coming at you now that August is just on the horizon. Thank you all for watching. I'm Pat Mayo. I'll see you next time. Experience